listening to the Pharmacy Podcast Network. Welcome to This Week in Pharmacy. I am your host and founder of the Pharmacy Podcast Network, Todd Yuri, and it is supposed to be a scary, spooky holiday special. I'm dressed up like a trucker. If you aren't looking at the video and you're just hearing what's happening here in the studio, I am dressed up like a Pennsylvania trucker. I got my Pennsylvania patch on, official state patch, and I got my trucker hat. A shout out to High Rise. Uh, they're a a CBD drink organization founded um, by an amazing a guy named Chris that we're going to actually have on the show. But that's what's uh, kind of kicking us off right now is preparing us for some stress. For some stress, it's a uh, it's a little bit of a stressful show today, and that is our our content of what is happening this week in pharmacy. And if you go to um, the interwebs and you go to um, Google and put in the word pharmacy and go to the news section. One of the first stories that you'll see is the title um, from USA Today Prescription for Disaster and America's Broken Pharmacy System in Revolt Over Burnout and Errors. And there's about six other stories that stem off of this, which is becoming, which has really come to a boiling point in with the walkouts of our, some of our chain. Um, pharmacists and technicians, um, it's really time to to help. Um, it, it, it's almost like an all hands on deck. Um, all of the state associations and the NABP and you know the Walgreens, CVS Health, um, everybody has to come together. And you know we don't have to point fingers and throw people under the bus. I I think it's more important for public health that we um, we fix it. Because it's it's uh, creating some major issues for um, for America's uh, health system and the need for our pharmacists and how much of the role of pharmacists that that is expanding. And I know that a lot of our chain pharmacists out there who are stressed out, we think about you, uh, we um, we pray for you, we support you. We have organizations that are trying to. Uh, raise money to assist on a multitude of uh, ways, including lost wages of technicians uh, through Shane um, uh, Jeremaus, Jer- Minsky and his team through uh, the, the original findings of pizza is not working and the initiatives of Dr. Blood Tanoe. But the reason why I'm talking about this is this is our profession. Uh, this is your profession. And whatever you can do to help, whether it be uh, sending letters of support uh, sending ideas into your state pharmacy associations. Like I said, it's um, in all hands on deck. And um, I'm, I'm excited to be in the, in the middle of it all from a communications and public relations perspective because we get some amazing pharmacists coming through the network telling, um, telling each other and sharing with each other and building stories, um, meaningful stories through through podcasting and very proud of, of the network, proud of pharmacists leading healthcare. I'm not sure if you saw this, um, but the medical cannabis pioneers of Georgia 
uh, first pharmacy sales in U.S. start in Deep South. Um, this is uh, brand new to uh, the news today. This was through CNN, and they feature uh, Robbins uh, Pharmacy, who's now going to become a dispenser uh, for people that are going to be using uh, cannabis for medicine through the advisement of their physicians and then the oversight of a, a pharmacist. And what better way to roll out uh, the leverage of, of cannabis and CBD and topicals and pain relief and anxiety medications and something. And we are extremely curious about the innovation of all forms of cannabis and CBD and usage and pharmacists leading that. Um, that's why we have a special partnership with uh, Cannabis Pharmacy. And if you've not heard of Cannabis Pharmacy, they are an organization out of South Carolina that we've partnered with. And they're going to bring us a lot of resources as well as a lot of product support and education through the can uh, Cannabis Pharmacy University that is being built um, through this organization as well as the Pharmacy Podcast Network as a partner and um, really drill down into the true usages and research and everything that's come that's coming out of uh, cannabis. And I'm thinking of senior care. I'm thinking of, um, you know, people think something's over the counter and it doesn't have any side effects, which isn't true. I'm thinking of CBD and and even children's medicine, which is uh, kind of a lead in to um, today's guests and the importance of pharmacists not only leading as i was saying cannabis medicine but leading pediatrics and and leading um advisement for um pediatricians who um who need somebody that understands a a child's uh, body versus an adult and and medications and there was a article in pharmacy today um from earlier uh, this year about melatonin and my wife and I have talked about melatonin and I've talked with pharmacists after pharmacists about different melatonin um, uh, kind of opinions and research that they've shared with me. And I immediately thought of um, our pharmacists on the network, on the Pharmacy Podcast Network. Um, and I want to welcome them both. I want to welcome uh, Dr. Jenna and Dr. Justin uh, to the show and welcome to This, uh, this Week in Pharmacy. Yeah, it's a pleasure to be here, Todd. Thanks for having us. I'm glad you dressed up. What did you dress up? You both dressed up a hockey fan, a raging hockey fan, and a I witch. A witch, but I was sad. I didn't have enough time to completely, you know, dress in character. So next time, I just have my hat. Yeah, wow. one of the things to know about Jenna and I is uh, we're parents ourselves. So uh, life is a little bit crazy at times. Absolutely. Tell me about it. I have four daughters, so um, I'm on the the going out side of it, though, because my youngest is uh, 11, so I don't have to put up with the the little, little ones like I know Dr. Jenna does uh, every day right now. Yeah. yeah. Little, little ones. Um, well, that's what we were talking about. We're talking about little ones. We're talking about the importance of pediatric support and pedi pediatric pharmacists who really know um, very specific things that are happening and those little ones that experience things in the hospital, in the community pharmacy, maybe a rare disease state treatment and how medications are affecting and titrating and impacting our little ones. So I want, uh, Jenna, you to start out and talk about um, perfecting ped, uh, PEDS as well as your background. And then I'm going to shift over to Justin and open up a can of worms with Justin on 
pediatric uh, pharmacy. And he is a fellow uh, podcaster at his um, Cedarville um, School of Pharmacy. So we have to talk about that. But Jenna, you are up first. Okay. okay. Sounds good. If there's a little bit of an echo. Okay. Are you guys getting that? Or are you fine? I don't hear it. Okay. We have had just went away. It just went away. So we're good. I'm like, I don't know if I can do this with the neck up. Uh, <laughs> I'm not that good. So thank you so much, Todd. It's always a pleasure. Um, we love being a part of the Pharmacy Podcast Network. Our pediatrics in review is uh, where Justin and I am so excited. We already recorded two episodes with Justin on. Um, and so the, the purpose of that is really just to take a deep dive into newer literature. And interestingly enough, we have um, coming up for January, the Melatonin podcast, where we're going to be going into, again, it's such a hot topic, but yes. using melatonin safely. And then obviously you always come back to, you know, are these, are these drugs being, um, having good manufacturing practices? So we're going to do a deep dive into all of that with our, our special guests. Um, but as Todd alluded to, uh, I own my own company called Perfecting Peds. So being a pediatric pharmacist and practicing, practicing in um, hospitals, whether that's the neonatal ICU, pediatric ICU, ER, gen peds, um, I always notice that there is a trend of when um, pediatric patients, specifically medically complex pediatric patients were admitted, there was always room for med optimization of their outpatient regimen. So I would be identifying all these different ways, whether it was, um, I hate to say like a blanket med error, or if it was, you know, just some way that we could tweak it, maybe even to make the caregiver's life easier. Like this is three times a day. It could be twice a day. Yeah. Um, and doing some uh, regional and, and actually national um, digging, it became obvious that pediatric trained pharmacists are really not in the outpatient setting. Um, if they are, maybe it's like one random hospital has it in their clinic over here, um, one over there, but it is by no means a standard of care. So um, since we're talking about it, pediatric uh, pharmacists have a little bit of a unique training. We do one to two years of residency usually, and then we follow that by a board certification. And then we really to date practice largely in the hospital setting and as Justin is in the academia setting. Um, and because of this, that's why I started my own company, which is called Perfecting Peace. Uh, really exciting. We were able to take our first couple hundreds of patients, specifically the first hundred and uh, do Well, it not only resulted in decreased medications, decreased hospital emissions, but also resulted in a huge cost savings and cost avoidance. So what our mission is in Perfecting Peds is we're providing telehealth or virtual comprehensive medication management for um, medically complex children, specifically by partnering with MCOs or insurance companies who, who basically provide us um, and through our algorithm the sickest children who really need that pediatric trained pharmacist on their team. That's excellent. Excellent. Justin, uh, give us some background on yourself and, and your role uh, with the school as well. Yeah, absolutely. So, 
Um, I was one of the rare breeds of people that knew what my, I wanted my career path to be from the age of like seven years of age. So I had, uh, two aunts and two uncles who were pharmacists when I was growing up and uh, they convinced me and, and honestly, one of my younger brothers as well to pursue a career in pharmacy. So, um, I had some stories early on in life that made me interested in this idea of pediatric pharmacy. Um, my mom was a pediatric nurse and was exposed to uh, the fact that there actually were pediatric pharmacists pretty early on. Um, and so I had the privilege of serving at Nationwide Children's Hospital in Columbus, Ohio, for quite a number of years as a pediatric pharmacist there. Um, I, I got to cover a lot of different uh, services while I was there and had a number of very unique roles that were a blast. Um, but um, in all that time, I really had a passion for teaching and it took some time precepting students, getting to lecture for schools of medicine, schools of pharmacy on the topic of pediatrics before I realized, you know what, it's probably where I need to be. So I, I, I want to invest in the next generation of pharmacists and help them to be great caregivers for our, the youngest people among us, our kids. And so uh, I made the jump to academia here at Cedarville University. It's a, um, a school here in Ohio. And I get to teach pediatric pharmacy to all of our students here. And um, a few other things I get to do. Um, I lead our Center for Pharmacy Innovation here at Cedarville, which is actually how Jenna and I got connected. I've got my own podcast that we run uh, through the center. We're always looking for innovators and entrepreneurs in pharmacy to tell their story and to get people excited about making meaningful change through the profession of pharmacy. And so when I heard about Jenna's company, Perfecting Peds, through um, some mutual connections on LinkedIn, uh, it was not more than five seconds before I figured out how to contact her and find out what she was doing with her company. And so we've had her on our podcast called Disrupt, spelled D-I-S-R-X-U-P-T. You can look for us anywhere you listen to your podcasts. Um, and um, we just ha had a blast talking about pediatrics and our shared interest in that. And so from there, we've been uh, looking for ways to collaborate, and one of them was joining on the Pediatric Pharmacist Review here on the Pharmacy Podcast Network. Yeah, that's so exciting. I'm so proud uh, to have both of you on, and the topics that uh, Jenna has um, developed and pulled uh, guests like Dr. Hannah um, on very specific-based uh, um, subjects and themes, uh, this will continue to expand, but I've been very, very proud and very uh, impressed with the listener growth of the Pediatric Pharmacist Review. And I think we can start reaching out to, and we will in 2024, start reaching out to some health systems to not only participate in some of this programming, but um, use these podcasts as quick hits on a, on a multitude of subjects uh, that you both um, are developing. And I like the timeliness of them. And I like the fact that uh, Jenna, you you are experiencing things firsthand the morning sometimes that you're talking about it based on your crew. So um, share that you do actually have an advantage. You, you're you kind of like, uh, there's a, always a laboratory following you around um, that are filled with children. And I think like, it's also a key point of why I started perfecting peeps too, because my children would not be deemed medically complex. Um, and just with their medication management, every time we went to the pediatrician, there was there's a way that the medication management could have been improved in one way, shape, or form. And um, 
knowing that, you know, that I'm one mom taking care of three children and I'm seeing these um, med errors. Like I just think of all the hundreds, thousands, millions of kids that could use a pediatric trained pharmacist. Um, you know, through this, I've noticed that there's not a ton of us. Uh, I think we have like 1,700 or 2,000 in the country. And so my mission is to disseminate us, just like Justin's mission to make more of us because, you know, there's just such a need and where there's all these standardized practices in the geriatric and adult population, like medication therapy management being one, but all these Medicare stop stop gates that basically ensure geriatric and adults are being looked after and, and taken care of, there's nothing in pediatrics. And so as you can tell how passionate I am about it and how fired up it gets me, I mean, we just need to do more. We need to do more um, as pediatric pharmacists and we need to get ourselves to a place where we're indispensable, just like that RN or the pediatrician that you're seeing. I mean, we know we know we are. Um, so, you know, slowly but surely, um, we're going to make that the standard of care. Exactly. Exactly. Justin, um, so talk to me about representation. That is, your students get to um, be around you and, and get to experience pharmacists from your views and 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 you're a half class um glass half full kind of guy you're very positive like me even though there's we all know there's things happening in our profession right now the profession has you know maybe like a a bruise or or a reputation issues and pr issue and that's fine but there's so much good happening in pharmacy right now and one of those things is the expansion of um, pediatrics and pharmacists you know concentrating on taking care of, of kids. So talk to me about your impact on getting your P3s, your P4s thinking, maybe I want to go into to pediatric pharmacy. Yeah, well, uh, Todd, first, just philosophically, 100% agree that when we face any crisis, there's a whole bunch of opportunity behind it, right? And I, I think as you already highlighted earlier on in the show, right now within uh, community pharmacy, it's reached kind of a fever pitch. But that means we are at the perfect place to be innovative, sure. find new solutions and make this what it needs to be. And that's one of the things that I want our students to walk away with. I, I don't want them to just leave the doors of Cedarville and think, oh, wow, I can I can just go get a really nice job as a pharmacist. I want them to be purpose filled and to be driven to do something meaningful. I want them to not see problems, but possibilities. And so one of the ways that I do that is just simply through the center. We hire a lot of students that partner on innovative projects um, within uh, the classroom. How do I help them to see that that pediatrics needs the same type of innovation? Well, one of the ways is we make sure pediatrics is really well covered in our curriculum. Um, we, we have some benchmarks to know how much exposure most students get in pharmacy school. And I'm proud to say that our students get a lot of pediatrics exposure, which is awesome, um, in the required curriculum. I also have an electives course that they can take if they really want to do a deeper dive into pediatrics. Now, I'm not going to make them a pediatric specialist in a two-credit hour elective, right? But if nothing else, I can spur their curiosity and show them the amazing ways that pharmacists can be involved in caring for, for kids. Um, I also uh, work at a federally qualified health center for one morning a week as well, seeing patients with behavioral health conditions, doing pharmacogenomic testing. And I love just telling students, even high school students, you want to see what a pharmacist can do? Just come and spend some time with me, right? 
So uh, I do. I love helping people get jazzed about not only pediatric pharmacy, but secondly, how can you, even as a single person, find a problem, come up with a creative solution and make it happen so that health is better for everybody? Yeah. Yeah. And what you're doing is is you're truly disrupting the status quo. And I just love the marketing um, of Cedarville University and, and that it's very innovative in and of itself to give away um, uh, credibility to thinking differently and thinking, you know, how, what's the next pharmacist going to build? Um, you know, what's the next uh, AI driven pharmacist or digital therapeutic pharmacist or pediatric pharmacist? Like, what are we building next? So, it's exciting to have both of you um, so charged up for 2024. We're going to do a lot of um, fun things, try to get you at some conferences too. We'll have to align and find out which conference we can bring the Pediatric Pharmacist Review live um, at a conference. So we'll have to think through that and try to pick one out that will align for everybody. Sounds great. Thank you. All right. Well, we thank you both for joining us on This Week in Pharmacy. Um, we will um, stay in touch. Please look at their um, their uh, landing pages. If you go and Google um, their names, if you can't find them, you can find them at Pharmacy Podcast um, uh, website under hosts. However, um, their LinkedIn's there. Um, link up with Jenna and Justin. Connect with them. Learn from them. Network with them. That's how we. I think we all become uh, stronger, but thank you both. Hey, happy Halloween to both of you. And I hope you have, have a great weekend. Thank you. Have a great one. All right. All right. When we come back, take a short break. I want to uh, give a shout out to uh, one of our sponsors today. Uh, that is Naso Cleanse. Um, and um, how proud I am to have Gail and Joy and the team um, sponsoring um, this uh, weekend pharmacy, but also bringing us a lot more content on uh, nasal health and how it impacts other things. So nasal cleanse, a shout out to you um, for being a great partner of the Pharmacy Podcast Network. And I want the network to pay attention of what's coming. And if you are in respiratory health and you want to participate in some discussions with Gail and her team, they are amazing. And what a resource opportunity. So thank you, nasal cleanse. All right. Um, you know, one of the things that I pride myself is is networking with the most innovative um, pharmacists out there. And one of the organizations that helped to bring those pharmacists to light is the organization called Single Care. And they have an annual um, award, which is called Best of the Best Pharmacy Awards. This is a wonderful award program that really rises up, raises up um, pharmacists that are out there that are truly going above and beyond for their patients and their communities. And um, having um, the pharmacist um, and having an award winner on our show today is so exciting. And um, that is, um, that, that's just affirmation to how pharmacists are truly impacting other people's lives. But we always have to come back to each other and support, support each other, support our own organizations um, and, and continue to come up with ideas to how to improve things. But without further ado, I want to welcome, um, best, uh, of the best, um, award winner, um, to the show. And, um, I, I, I have so many questions for you. 
Hello. Thanks hey, <laughs> hey, Dr. Jen, welcome to the show. Um, I, it's what's special is it's almost like it's to, it's it's this year and then the previous year, and it's a mashup of the both of you because you've both won awards through Best of the Best. And Dr. Jen, you became actually a team member on the RX Sense and single care teams. So I'm going to start out with Jen just to give a little backstory on you being given the um, the best of the best award and then how you became involved on the team. Thanks, Todd. I'm sorry I have a <clears throat> frog in my throat today. I guess I'll chalk it up to our Halloween special here. So uh, thanks for having me. Um, I was awarded the, the same award that Jean Marie has the honor of um, claiming in 2021. So I can't believe it. Wow, two years. Um, pinnacle of my career, I say. Uh, I've been in community pharmacy almost 15 years. And at that point, just felt like um, my heart and my goal for being here was impacting the lives of patients through healthcare. And to be recognized by those people, uh, to just really be seen and appreciated felt so great. And reiterated to me and just reaffirmed that what I was doing mattered, that me showing up every day when it was difficult um, really mattered to those people that I was showing up for. Um, so I worked with Single Care Rx Sense for that year and uh, just built a great relationship, uh, got to know the company, really understood their mission and values and how they wanted to support the profession of pharmacy, but also how they wanted to show up for consumers. And just the alignment was there. I uh, just couldn't be more excited that they invited me on as their pharmacy and health expert. And I've been in this role for a year. It has been um, just the most exciting thing I think I've done in my professional career to date. I never thought I would be in front of media. I actually just did my very first live interview live on Fox News in Texas this morning, thanks to this opportunity with single care. And so just amazing to see the opportunities that are here for pharmacists, just like you highlighted with Jenna and Justin and all the different things that we are equipped to do as pharmacists, our knowledge base, um, our hearts for service. You know, we really can, um, we can do so many things. And so just really excited to be here again. And congratulations, Jan Marie, on a job well done. Very, very much deserved. Congratulations, Jan. Welcome to This Week in Pharmacy. I'm so excited and proud to have you here. Oh, thank you so much. I appreciate you having me. All right. So Jan, give us a little background on yourself and how is it that well, there's a little story that you have to share with the listeners that we almost lost you to bioscience and biotech. Very true. Um, so background on myself, I grew up in the Bay Area, um, Silicon Valley. I almost went into computer engineering as everybody does. Um, I've always been drawn to math and science. That's been my thing. Um, but then I did my undergrad at San Diego State. There, there's so many pharmaceutical companies, huge biotech you know, industry, um, completed my degree in chemistry, and I went into 
being a research associate with two different pharmaceutical companies for about four years. Um, I really enjoyed the work with drug formulation, all of that, um, but kind of felt like I'm at the point where I need more education and I wasn't sure that I was ready to go into a master's or a PhD in chemistry. Um, that sounded very intense and a little bit isolating as well. Um, so my then boyfriend, now husband, literally just read an article on the internet. Um, I'm not even sure what resource posted it about the best careers for women. And pharmacist was there at the top. And he said to me, maybe you should be a pharmacist. And I thought, well, I don't really know what they do. You know, I know they're at the drugstores, et cetera. And I looked more into it and realized the scope of the practice and all the things that you can accomplish and, you know, applied at USC, <laughs> luckily got in and became a pharmacist. That's awesome. Yeah. <laughs> so shout out to Dr. Stephen Cutler. You probably know him from uh, South Carolina School of Pharmacy and um, his work in cannabis medicine. As I was saying at the very beginning of the show, like it's everything comes full circle and some of the research that's happening in that. But um, it's it's great to have you here. It's great to see the role of the pharmacist expanding. I kind of want to shift. So you and your role is with um, with Ralph's Pharmacy. So that's our 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 chain kind of environments, our community pharmacy environments. How are you balancing the world of the necessary volume and how we're shifting from dispensing is going to become less and less and less of a part as technology continues to evolve of a of a of a pharmacist's you yeah. know, need. And you're going to be doing other things that are going to dig, be digging more into the clinical and into more of the follow up. So talk to us about the your passion in pharmacy and the balance of, of, of the world of, of retail and in commerce. And of course, uh, dig down into the pharmacy, the clinical of pharmacy. Yeah, of course. Um, right now, you know, the pharmacy that I'm at, our volume is at a level that my staff and myself can maintain it. And I get to do a lot of clinical roles now. Um, we have a lot of prescribing protocols set up. Um, the big one that we do a lot is hormonal contraceptives. Okay. Um, we're helping a lot of patients with that. Um, we're able to, you know, have them do some screenings, a quick blood pressure check, um, background history, you know, the whole process is maybe 30 minutes involved. And then we're able to prescribe them um, a hormonal contraceptive. Um, that's been wonderful. Um, right now, immunizations. <laughs> um, we're in the fall. So many vaccines available. Um, we're doing a lot of triples, um, RSV, COVID, flu. Um, that's kind of nice using clinical skills and knowledge with that. And that's always exciting when there's a new vaccine available um, to help keep everyone safe. Um, and you're right. I mean, I think that there's talk of central fill um, among Ralph's. You know, I don't know how soon that is in the pipeline, but that probably will be something in the future. Um, automation's increasing. It's really going to get us away from being, you know, behind the counter stuck there. And we really just need to be more involved in direct patient care. You know, we have so much ed education, so much knowledge, you know, that we can use to really help other healthcare providers, you know, keep everyone safe and healthy. Yep. Yep. Jen, I have seen little videos um, that give the futuristic setting of a community pharmacy. And when you walk into the pharmacy, um, there's very few rows. It's kind of very open, very glass and metal looking. And sure enough, this pharmacist comes walking up with an iPad to the person that just walked in the pharmacy and they say, you know, what can we, you know, how can I help you today? Well, they start going to this, like, as soon as they start talking, the pharmacist starts typing on the iPad 
and they're able they're able to walk over to a a case and then all of a sudden out of the case pops you know this medication or something and they grab it and they give it and i'm thinking you know that ipad in the hand in front and engaging and talking and counseling and talking and you know asking questions and blah blah that could be an 8 hour a day job in and of itself and that pharmacist that was standing with that ipad never went behind a counter or never went to do even first review or final review checks because once again the acceleration of technology is going to is going to soak up a lot of that to really put that pharmacist out into the aisles and engaging the patients at all times yes the current model the pharmacist is not that first touch point where we really aren't at the counter often we are kind of behind the counter like jane marie said you know we're we're back towards the back and so i think it's very exciting that pharmacists could have the ability to be more available, to spend more time at the counter with the patients, understanding um, their concerns, their disease states, uh, able to counsel, because that is what sets us apart from AI, is, is that we have so much wisdom and knowledge, we're able to uh, really understand the patient and provide that guidance that that's necessary. We're able to provide the immunizations. And so it's exciting for me. It's my favorite part about pharmacy is that patient interaction, being able to take care of them, listening. Um, and so I, I, Todd, am really excited about what the future of pharmacy holds. All right. I want to turn back to some of the subjects that um, we prefaced um, in the opening of today's episode and really kind of um, talking with the two of you about your interest in these topics. And one of the first ones is the element of pharmacogenomics, which is one of the most fascinating tools that pharmacists are uh, are centered in and should really be the leaders. And if if I could be uh, the ruler of the world, I would make um, pharmacogenomics a lever that pharmacists pull, not the physician waiting for the physician to issue a test where they have no time to do so. But if a pharmacist saw that someone was on a specific medication and this medication is known in 50% of the people that receive it to not metabolize correctly, you could run a test and see the results and then run with uh, the consultancy. But both of you uh, in your background, what have you heard of this uh, science and have you had any experience in, in actually you know, looking into any of the data results or anything like that for any of your own patients? But what it, what's on the horizon from your perspectives in pharmacogenomics? Uh, yeah, well, I haven't had a chance to utilize that yet. Um, we're just not quite equipped there. Um, but, you know, right now we spend so much focus in optimizing medication. Um, it's just exciting to know that we can have direct answers, you know, from laboratory tests to know what will work and what won't. Um, I believe it is the future. Um, again, we're not quite integrated, you know, in that yet. Um, but more to come <laughs> in a few years. Hopefully I'd have a different response for you. Yeah. What about you, Jen? What have you, how has it touched you or impacted you? Yeah. So 
with my new role, um, my virtual practice that I have, uh, I have connected with numerous pharmacists that have their own virtual practices in pharmacogenomic consulting. And multiple conversations, it is absolutely uh, just intriguing to me that I agree with you. We, we are the expert in this area, and this is an incredible opportunity for pharmacists to take advantage of for a specialized consultant business. It, it really aligns with our background, our, our education, our experiences. And we're really, um, to Jamri's point, you know, it's going to help us better optimize that that med therapy. So it's exciting. Yep. yep. And remember, uh, let's go back to that future setting of that pharmacist with the iPad in the aisle talking to the, you know, the, the, the lady in an aisle, for example, and she has her child there with her and uh, they're talking and the, the medicine is for the adult. And within that iPad, she pulls up that patient's profile and she presses a button. And now every single product that has been listed after the run of the PGX test will know which of those products are going to work best for that individual patient based on their DNA. And that's the future of, of work, what the pharmacist is going to be able to do. And you're right. It, we, can't, we, can, we can use AI in an accelerated fashion for lots of data anal analytics and coming out with even predictive modeling pathways. But um, boy, uh, the, the human to the human interaction standing in the place of of being able to pull the trigger on a, on the right supplement or the right medicine or the medicine review or so on, um, is all at the, all out the fingers of our pharmacists. So, um, those, those days are going to be increasing and coming. And, um, I'm excited that, uh, that we get teachers, um, teaching our P one through fours uh, of the possibilities of what's coming and getting their gears turning and their imaginations turning and, um, thinking, you know, what could I do in PGX, for example? And I'm proud of the network of how many um, of our network leaders, um, Dr. Becky Winslow, Dr. Banaz Sarami, who lead PGX for pharmacists, how they dig into guests that really bring value to understanding where the science is going, where are the tools going, how are they being reimbursed? Because reimbursement, of course, is a big thing. And then where does the data go? Does the data go to the pharmacist, the physician, the physician, the pharmacist, the specialist? And then do they have time to review it? Or is it the pharmacist that should be leading um, in that case? So, all right. So let's shift gears. I'm going to go back to uh, Jan. What are you excited about from an innovation perspective in, in the uh, profession of pharmacy? Yeah, so just freeing up more pharmacist time um, to really connect with our patients. Um, you know, many physician visits are very rushed and brief. Um, they probably don't get all of their questions answered. Um, especially community pharmacists, we're right there. We're available. We answer our phones. They can come in and find us. Um, all of the innovation and advancements, you know, in regards to filling, et cetera, um, that really will just free up our time um, and everyone will be able to build, you know, better relationships with their patients. Like, that's what it's all about. If your patient knows you, you know them by name, they trust you, they open up to you, they admit when they're not compliant, you know, they tell you when they're weary of a medication, you know, they tell you when they don't understand what their doctors said to them, you know, at the visit. Um, it really just gives us more time to connect and really help them become their own advocates. 
Yeah. And how much interaction with students have you had to be able to tell stories about yourself and being able to kind of give uh, guidance through, um, you know, sharing what you went through? Yeah, so um, we constantly do have a fourth year um, student at my site with us. Um, every now and then we have an empty block um, and we're always just awaiting the next arrival. Um, I give my students a lot of independence. I'm also there as their support system. Um, a lot of them tend to come from hospital backgrounds. Um, some are kind of a few in community. A lot of it's AMCARE hospital, you know, more specialty roles is what they're pursuing. Um, so I love them coming to our community pharmacy and learning that, you know, you can be a very strong healthcare provider just at this level, you know, in the grocery store, you know, where the energy is often outside of the pharmacy, we can have fun too, you know, and pretty much all of my students after the six weeks we spend together, they always say, you know, if we could work with this team, you know, this would be ideal, you know, and of course, I'm, you know, of course, going to encourage, you know, residency and further education, all of that. But it's just very rewarding hearing that, you know, a lot of them just had no idea how accessible community pharmacists are, and really what we get to do in our day, like, you know, obviously, we blend our educational background, all of our drug knowledge, disease state knowledge, but we kind of blend it with just greeting people, you know, it's just such a powerful position, you know, um, to be here, you know, in this role. Like, I think a lot of people don't realize that, you know, until they spend time with us. Yeah. All right. <clears throat> so I have a curveball to throw at both of you and neither of you knew I was going to talk about this, but I can't help it. So I always throw uh, interesting stuff at our, at our guests uh, for our listeners amusement. All right. So let's talk about these rewards programs. So Ralph's reminds me of giant Eagle in, in Pittsburgh. We have a big grocery store chain called Giant Eagle. So we don't have any Ralph's just because of the geographic area. But I'm sure Ralph's has an awards program of some sort where they scan the Ralph's card and then, you know, there's something being collected. And I'm wondering if either of you have ever heard of making things come full circle where you have access to what the pay, what the people are are actually buying down to the minute detail of knowing exactly what they're buying. And if you have a patient who is a sensitive diabetic or is on the edge of trickling over into something really serious, and the pharmacist knew that, they know the medications that they're on. And now we have data over here on the Ralph's card to actually access the spinach that you just bought and the carrots, the fresh carrots that you brought and, you know, this other stuff that you bought. And then also not so good, you bought these cookies and this other stuff that wasn't so good. And now when you come for your medication review with your pharmacist, your pharmacist also just so happens to have the data of how you've been eating and how that's been impacting your diabetes. When, Jan, are these multi-million dollar organizations going to make these full circles and take advantage of all of that data to really personalize wellness? Like, let's get out of saying personalizing care. Let's say wellness. Like, let's say taking it to a whole nother level. So have you ever heard of that? And uh, have you ever heard of Ralph's going to kick off anything like that? Well, they haven't shared any of that with me. Um, When people do put in their rewards card, sometimes a coupon does pop out. And that kind of gives me a hint as to what they've been purchasing. Um, Alternatively, people come to pick up their medication with a few items that we ring up as well. 
Um, and that's kind of a good discussion point. And often, you know, diabetic patients will have like a little roll of donuts and tell me, don't look at that, you know, <laughs> as we're scanning it up. Um, it's one of those things where, you know, like shaming people isn't going to work, um, but being able to offer like healthy alternatives to go along with maybe one of those donuts out of the eight pack, you know, for them to have. Um, I constant discuss nutrition, you know, goals and ideas with my patients. You know, I talk about healthy snacking just in conversation, you know, maybe like some almonds and some strawberries, you know, with a little Cool Whip for dessert as opposed to ice cream. You know, it's really easy to sneak in little health tips. Um, but as far as the data on the shopping card, oh my gosh, that would be... Um, but think about I don't know if that would be scary or good. Think about the point system. Think about encouraging your grocer, your grocery shopper, and the person that you know that picks up their their medications from Ralph's pharmacy, and combining those two elements of data and being able to reward. Maybe it's not a. It's certainly not. It shouldn't be a shaming thing. It, shaming doesn't work. But if it was an, a rewards program that now feeds back to where's all this data going? I tell you where it's going. It's going to the PBMs, right? And the PBMs will feed data to these health plan systems. Health plan systems might come out with some radical programs and says, guess what? Your premiums are going to get cut by 50% if you stay on this rewards program, you know, that is tied to your diabetes or your, you know, your specialty disease. But Try it in these rare cases where we have a lot more intensity that's involved in the treatment and then roll in, you know, the, the availability of all this data. I always think of all the data that's being generated and it's like, well, what are we doing with it? <laughs> Got to bring it full circle. Yeah, that would be good. <laughs> Jen, what have you thought about um, the evolution of big data and AI and how this can kind of all um, dovetail into better pharmacological uh, practice. I'm sorry, Todd. I'm having trouble hearing you. Did you say Jen or Jan? Oh, Jen. It was it was asking you what it, what you've what you've heard about with big data, using big data, using AI in order to get more into the hands of our consumers through pharmacists. Yeah, I um, am not specifically aware of that either. We do uh, have an app at the community pharmacy that I'm associated with, and it is a wellness app. And so there's lots of education there that we can direct patients to access around healthy swaps, um, healthy food selections. And so we do take advantage of that, along with all, all the other resources um, that are out there through ADA, AHA, um, those things that we can help support patients with. So let's go back to um, best, um, best of the best. And just, I wanted to kind of just once again, congratulate all of the winners. Um, if you go to singlecare.com forward slash pharmacy dash awards, it'll come right up or even go to singlecare.com and the awards program is there. But this features some um, some of the best of the best of pharmacists that are out there in, in so many um, variances as well as our pharmacy technicians who um, who are the right hands of our pharmacists. But I wanted to hear from you, Jen, about this program and how important this is, um, and is as an annual event for, for the single care team. So <clears throat> I think that it is amazing 
um, at a time where there is some negative publicity around community pharmacy. I think that it is an amazing thing Single Care does to really highlight this um, positive part of community pharmacy, how pharmacists are making an impact in the lives of their patients every day. Um, it's just, it, it's a kind of a icing on the cake for many of us because we don't show up for the award or the recognition, we show up for the people. Um, but it is a really great feeling when you feel seen, when you feel appreciated, when you get that feedback that, hey, what you're doing is mattering. Um, it really is, is a great uh, a great feeling. So I can't say enough wonderful things about single care and these awards and the recognition that all community pharmacists, technicians, pharmacy teams that they deserve. Um, it's a really uh, great place to work and serve people, but it, it is a challenging environment as we uh, are really learning more about some of those challenges in, in the media currently. So I, I'm just really proud of Jan Marie and all the other winners that were recognized this year. Congratulations. Yes. Uh, Jan, when you, how did you learn that you were, you were chosen? How did that all come up? Yeah. So, um, I guess I would have to go back, um, to when I found out I was nominated. Um, I remember just being at Ralph's normal day, you know, not thinking anything out of the ordinary at a phone call came in. Um, I believe it was Amy from Google Care told my intern who answered the call. Oh, you know, is Jan Marie there? Um, we, she's been nominated for an award. You know, I remember him putting the call on hold thinking it was a scam call. You know, he's <laughs> like, someone said you won an award, you know, you've been nominated. I don't know if you want to answer this. You know, I picked up the phone and once I heard it was single care calling, I just remember thinking, wow, this is, this is big, you know, and then through the process, you know, it takes a few months of interviews and back and forth. And then when they set up a time that I would be available to Zoom, I just figured, I don't think they're going to have me go on Zoom to tell me I lost. But at the same time, the team that I've been connecting with have been so kind and professional and genuine that I wouldn't be surprised, you know, that they would still want to recognize the person, you know, face to face, you know, and have that conversation. Um, you know, when they told me that I had won, um, it was just such a special moment, um, a mix of shock um, and a ton of emotions. Um, I think I was even saying, I don't know if, my body wants to laugh or cry right now. You know, it was just like so overwhelming. Um, and again, just being recognized is just, it's not something we're used to, you know, as pharmacists, um, especially at the community level. Like, you know, our patients day to day thank us, but to have, you know, a team outside of the company I work for choose these pharmacists and go through the thousands of nominations and take the time and put a team together, you know, to do this, it's just very, very special. Um, very good. Yeah, I'm just proud of everyone that that stays in and and tr just knows that it's their job to help help yeah. people, these patients, and and you have a a natural draw to to being there for people that are looking for your expertise, and and it, it's so it's a great story how you starting in a different pathway um, for your possible future and how you uh, pivoted and how you had you know, made a, a reference to the growth of pharmacists and, and being 
um, actually it's really led by women because 62% of all of our pharmacists are, are women. And it's just like, okay, then, then just take out, do it, you know, forge ahead and charge ahead. And some of the uh, innovation, including some of the, the technology is coming from our, um, our women leaders in pharmacy. There's an app that I got to spend some uh, time with, with a team uh, called Pharmasol. And Pharmasol is integrated to a PMS system, a pharmacy management system. And it uh, reads all of the information about the medication, the, um, the, the patient's profile, and it will begin uh, communicating with the patient on a, um, on a, on a cycle, not, not intensively through text. And it will like, it'll send text that sound like text coming from a human and even uh, referencing like, you know, um, uh, a name that they can name the AI or whatever, but, and it <laughs> continues to collect data based on the answers. So it'll say something like, you know, good morning. Um, you know, you have six doses left of your antibiotic. Um, how's everything going? You know, from a scale from one to five or whatever. And they get to interact with that. It kind of is more of a gamification thing. And all that data is being drawn back to the pharmacy to to be able to document and and, and make decisions from. So it's that those kinds of that pharmacy was was put together and invented by a two, two, two pharmacists that were women and leading, leading AI. So it's just like, this is your, I'm a, I'm just a guest in your, in your industry right now. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> yeah. I, um, I think that, uh, this is an interesting time. It's a stressful time. Like I started off with the, uh, with the show, with the, the stress that we know that some of our uh, chain pharmacists are going through. And I still have faith in, in our in our industry and in our profession, that we're going to write um, the the paths of 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 different organizations for different reasons. That we could it's a whole nother episode. It's it's not for this episode today. This is more of a celebration and and either Halloween or the best of the best. But um, there's there's much to be done, and I think that organizations that are supporting pharmacists as single care is doing and the kind of data that single care has the access to, I think things are going to, um, going to continue to improve, um, based on pharmacists injecting their ideas into better medication management and better patient management. Um, so we had Justin and Jenna on before we had the both of you on, they were talking pediatrics. How does pediatrics in your role at Jan in at Ralph's, how do you have to, you have to kind of wear multiple hats sometimes, especially when you're talking about the little ones compared to adults. So share a little bit of your, of your experience with that. Yeah, definitely. Um, we, we have um, not a huge pediatric population at my pharmacy, but there are quite a few. Um, I love electronic prescribing because the pediatrician often lists their weight you know, on the prescription as it comes and even some vitals for some of my other patients. Um, I love that. I always cross check doses, you know, and if I don't know off the top of my head, I spend extra time. I mean, all prescriptions, patient safety, number one, but especially with pediatric patients. Um, and then what's kind of fun too, at Ralph's, we have like the flavor RX, you know, fill master. So we can add in uh, extra flavors. And the best is when 
the child and the parent come in, you know, as we're reconstituting, you know, the medication because it suggests the best mix one. So I can give them choices, you know, mango, bubble gum, you know, a lot of it is synthetic, but, you know, meanwhile, they feel kind of like empowered, like, oh, mango sounds good. You know, it usually smells pretty good um, when I mix it. So hopefully they have success, you know, in taking it. Um, And then along with, you know, the antibiotics or the steroid scripts that come in often or breathing treatments, um, there's always over-the-counter recommendations, you know, we make as well. There's usually fever, you know, going on with it or just aches and pains. Um, We do spend a lot of time, you know, taking care of younger patients. I love hearing about these pediatric pharmacists, you know, out there. Um, And, you know, I definitely need to connect with some of them, you know, as kind of a second check if I am weary of something. Um, Pharmacy is such a small world. I think we're very collaborative. I think we want to help each other and we want to boost each other up and support them in our expertise areas. Um, so that's definitely something, you know, I need to make more of an effort to, you know, to find my local, you know, pediatric pharmacist. I can always pick their brain if I need to. Absolutely. Yeah. Yep. All right. Well, Jen, you and I have some follow-up uh, because I'd like to get you back on the network talking about a multiple things that you are always involved in your fascinating in your work and we'll have to have you back i'm going to be talking with the single care crew possibly becoming part of our uh, special programming and building out uh, good content for our profession as well as the content that's going to go from pharmacists to physicians we have so many physicians that are commenting on our linkedin post and uh, some of our episodes because they're like boy this is this is what i needed i need to hear a discussion between two pharmacists on a specific condition so Jen, it's so awesome having you here and being a part of this, but I wanted to thank you both for for being on This Week in Pharmacy. Yeah, thanks so much. Thanks, Todd. Talk to you guys soon. Okay. All right. I tell you what, um, that went fast. Uh, We're winding down uh, This Week in Pharmacy. I'm not sure if you know, but uh, we have some really interesting episodes coming from the network. Um, We have... Um, a new episode um, on uh, and from the FDA, um, and uh, that's the Q&A with FDA and their uh, investment into education around specific drug information. Specifically, they're kind of catered to um, this whole series to pharmacists and pharmacist knowledge. It's very interesting. So look that up, Q&A with FDA on the network, as well as uh, some new episodes coming from Cardinal Health, um, from the sports pharmacy team, which is going to be expanding in 2024. We can't wait for you to hear that. And, um, and uh, NASP, uh, the, the, the National Association of Specialty Pharmacies at the NASP, they um, were, we were their uh, press partner and we were there uh, for uh, the two-day event. And there's a three-part series um, at uh, Pharmacy Podcast um, Network on any of the podcasting platforms. But take a listen if you are interested in specialty pharmacy. And also Road to Match. Um, this is uh, the second year for Road to Match series, which we're so proud um, to have uh, Dr. Sally leading um, Resi Prep, which is all about getting people ready for uh, residency in, in match day. Um, but you have to look up that series um, with uh, and on the network. And if there isn't content here, um, if there isn't uh, things being featured that you would like to hear more about, please reach out to me. My email is publisher 
at pharmacypodcast.com. Once again, that's publisher at pharmacypodcast.com. Uh, and send me an, an idea. So that's that's how this network has grown is because of you, the listeners, uh, turning into uh, content uh, suggestions or even content build out where you become a part of the content development and even a host. Uh, that's how we find new hosts is um, they're always listeners first. And we appreciate our listeners. We thank you for your work in pharmacy. Um, please reach out to us if you have any questions about any of the content that you've heard about or the people that you've met through the Pharmacy Podcast Network. That is the important thing here is the network that we are building together. Hashtag TogetherRx. That's it. Me, I'm Trucker, 10-4. I'm over and out. Thank you.